the Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast. This is the ACC betting preview. I'm Stucky, and joining me, as always, my co-host, Colin Wilson. have a very special guest today. Bud Elliott is going to talk some ACC, share his thoughts right off the top before we get to him. Colin, excited to talk some ACC. I see you got a new NC State helmet behind you. Um, Hopefully you don't have to take that down after a trip to Greenville in week one. You got to stop this ECU thing that's going to happen here week one with me. You're giving me the sweats already and we're not even here. Uh, I have to say, like, I'm looking forward to this podcast because generally we get to 14 teams in the ACC, six to eight of them. We just kind of throw away. We don't want to really do that much deep dive research on Duke, Q's, you know, some of these teams at the bottom. But I had a really great time at ACC media days. They make it feel more like a party atmosphere. I think they take care of everybody that's there. But the SEC just feels mechanical. The Big 12 is in the big, open, empty Cowboys Stadium at AT&T. But once you get to ACC, it's very close in proximity. And that allows you to get up in DJ Uyunglele's face. That allows you to get up in Dave Doran's face and, and ask them like the questions that you want. The access to players and coaches was better at ACC than it was any other media day. So I'm excited to have Bud here. I'm excited I have a new NC State uh, helmet behind me. And there is no loss coming against East Carolina stuck. Well, I'm telling you, NC State fans are nervous about that game. Weird things can happen in Greenville in that rivalry, but we'll get to NC State. Hi, this is the producer, Matt Mitchell. Just a FYI, this episode was recorded right before the news of Sam Hartman at Wake Forest and his non-football-related medical condition and his status as out indefinitely. Colin and Stucky will speak to this on the beginning of our Big Ten episode next week. And before we bring in Bud, just give a picture of the ACC landscape. You mentioned access to coaches. There's a lot of coaching changes, right? There's four new head coaches in the ACC, and the coordinator changes are just insane. There's 14 teams, 11 new offensive coordinators, if you count a co-OC in one situation, eight new defensive coordinators. And depending on if you think some quarterback battles are actually battles or not, up to five quarterback battles. And you mentioned NC State, by the way, only team in the entire conference to retain their entire staff and mentioned quarterback battles. This is a quarterback rich league. If you look at some projections for, you know, NFL draft 2023 quarterbacks, you could argue like seven of the top 20 are in the ACC. So there's a lot of quarterback talent in the conference, but let's talk about some of that and bring in Mr. Bud Elliott. You know him from the cover three podcast and probably from Twitter and other endeavors. What's going on, bud? What's going on, guys? Got to be back. We, we we had NC State hard last year on this show. That was uh, that was good. You just got back from Las Vegas. Was the uh, was the hammering NC State numbers? They've been hammered for like six months. Was it finding value out there on anything? Not, not on NC State. Uh, I did get quite a few tickets on uh, Arkansas State <laughs> under five and a half minus fifty from a, a MGM kiosk. That Those was good. Kiosk bets are always sweet when you find no, uh, no players card in the kiosk, right? Right. Uh, yeah. So. 
jumped on the bandwagon with Colin for Donovan Edwards for 300 to one for the Heisman had you know, a little piece of that. It was, it was a good trip. I just bet Texas state found a, a cheaper seven out there. My first bet of the year, but let's, I'm going to get your thoughts on some of these things that I just mentioned off the top. Let's start with uh, the quarterback battles. You know, you could say there's, you know, up to five, if you think like Slovis is in a battle. Uh, I think North Carolina is the one that's maybe the most interesting and which one, are you either most excited about or do you think is going to have the biggest impact? Like that really matters in who ends up winning it for their team. For, from a gambling standpoint, I, I do think it's North Carolina because of the different styles of quarterback at play. Right. Yeah. So, you know, Drake may is a guy who was committed to Alabama, uh, you know, big time arm. Colby Criswell is a guy who is you know, kind of a mix. He can throw it, but he can also run it a little more. I, I don't think they would run it quite as much with Drake may. So, so that one for the Tar Heels, uh, is one I'm, I'm going to be monitoring pretty closely in, in terms of tempo. Isn't there a true freshman involved in that too, potentially? Uh, Connor Harrell? Yeah. 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 Josh Downs came out yesterday after practice and said that Criswell is the one that he had the most chemistry with so far. So definitely if you're out there betting quarterbacks, who's going to start game one, just keep an eye on camp there for, for the Tar Heels. Yeah, especially because I think Carolina, from a, just an improvement perspective, might have could arguably have the most improved defense. I mean, I mean, they can't go anywhere else but up. But then if they're also playing slower, could be a really good under team early on in the season. Uh, talked about a lot of the coaching changes, right? Four new head coaches. And then just, it feels like every single team has a new offensive coordinator in the ACC. And then there's a handful of new defensive coordinators as well. I'll let you go wherever you want to go with this offensive defensive coordinator or head coach. Which one do you think has either the biggest positive impact or do you think is just a complete disaster of a move this upcoming season? The one I'm really curious about, and I'm not super high on this team, uh, is, is what Syracuse is doing, right? Because you go from running that sort of you know, Baylor-esque system, which Dino got the job with, uh, to be honest, uh, to running what UVA was running last year. They basically took UVA's uh, almost their entire offensive coaching staff. They're going to throw the ball around, I assume, more than they did last year, although they're still going to run it. I mean, you have Sean Tucker there who's a really good player. Is Garrett Trader actually good at throwing the ball? Like his numbers so far suggest he's not. Protection's been an issue. You know, receivers there have been a bit of an issue. They're calling it more pro style. I'm not really convinced this is going to work. It could work. I I, I did play these guys under five and a half minus 90 when it came out. I, I thought that was like, that's pretty heavy juice, but I, I, I did feel like laying that. I'm curious. Yeah. yeah, I don't think, I don't think it was a stylistic fit. Just what the Trader can do and what they, they, they were just like, a shotgun, like shotgun and run it with either one of those last year. Syracuse just had a quarterback who's probably going to be more depth of throwing. It got hurt. He's out for the year now. I don't know if he was eventually going to get the job. Feels like a desperation move from Babers. And I just don't see the fit with Schrader, but I completely agree with you. Colin, what were you going to say? What I want to ask, bud, is we've lost both coordinators at Clemson. Dabo acts like, you know, promoting from within. There's just not going to be a beat miss. We're keeping the same scheme. We're keeping the same personnel grouping. Uh, everybody's going to know the verbiage that we're using on the field. My problem is, is you can't replicate Brent Venables. It's impossible. And I'm supposed to all of a sudden believe that Wes Goodwin can do that. I know he's the right-hand man, but do you expect any bumps with Clemson's offense and defense considering it coming from within? So I, I didn't really love the internal promotion on offense, I feel like, because they weren't very good last year. Now, I, I know they had a lot of problems. Uh, receivers were all sort of the same body type. They all just looked the exact same build, not a lot of diversity of bodies in that room, which you kind of need to have a functional receiver unit. It, it's cool in Madden to have everybody be 6'5". And, you know, like it's kind of important to have some slots and some X's and some Y's in, in actual football. They didn't really have that last year. I know they had some offensive line issues up front, uh, but I, I didn't love that promotion just because I felt like maybe some new voices in the room 
uh, could do a bit of good for, for the Tigers. I have heard they're running more tempo this year, though. So uh, if that now everybody says we're going to try to go faster, more intense, blah, blah, blah. But if they really do run more tempo, uh, that's one to take note of. Defensively, though, I, I knew about Wes Goodwin for a while because I had a coach in that room tell me this is the guy that Venables talks to in the room, like even more than some of the other defensive coaches. This is the guy he bounces stuff off. So, like, clearly this is the dude in that room, according to the guy I talked to, uh, who Venables really trusted when it came to scheme and design of the defense. So I maybe not as good with the sign-stealing stuff, but I like if Venables respects this guy that much for the other coaches to take notice, I don't think Clips is going to miss a beat defensively. And they also had a lot of injuries last year on that defensive line, and we're still pretty dominant. If they stay healthy, uh, they, they have a chance to just basically wipe everybody. To tack on to what Bud is saying, Clemson finished 50th in seconds per play last year, and Bud and I were both standing around Dabo, and I asked, did you want to run more up-tempo last year? Are you planning on going back to up-tempo? And Dabo's exact response was, we were good enough to run tempo. We had to do things to win games. So, you know, depending on how that offense is going, is going to dictate how many points Clemson is going to score. So if you see efficiency and success rate and chains moving and and scores getting up on the board, they're going to they're going to go faster. They'll finish higher than 25.3 seconds per play. Well, it, yeah, but as regards to totals, look, the defensive line has a chance to be historically great. So who's scoring on them? And they, in order to put up points, I don't care how fast you go, if your quarterback play looks like it did last year, which brings me to my next question, do you have a hot take on DJ? And do you think, like, if they if it ends up being, you know, Kluber gets the job, are you going to say, wow, okay, I am – way more in than Clemson because of the ceiling. Um, are you just in wait and see mode? Cause like it didn't look great in spring. There's some, you know, reports about his weight is in better shape. Like, so, and then what we saw last year compared to, you know, his pedigree um, with a new offensive coordinator, I, I'm, I'm having trouble just kind of gauging wh- where I rate him going into this year. Do you have any thoughts on that quarterback battle and, or just DJ in general? Yeah. So I, I do have a couple of thoughts. Number one, I, I don't think that, the people who think DJ is really talented are wrong. I mean, I've, I've seen this kid play as a recruit. He has some really special physical tools, and he was really good as a freshman. He struggled a lot last year. I think there was a lot put on his plate, and uh, you can maybe take that metaphorically as well. Uh, but he's skinnier now. Like, Colin is standing there. If, if you guys saw him last year, and as somebody who's seen him throughout his career, really since he was a sophomore in high school, he's definitely slimmed uh, back down some. So maybe he'll move better in the pocket. Uh Streeter was the quarterback coach. So him promote, being promoted to you know, the offensive coordinator, maybe there's some more chemistry there. They, they call plays that DJ likes a little bit better. Uh, but Kay Klubnik is legit as well. Like very, very highly rated kid for a reason. Balled out in the Texas State playoffs. Uh, I have more confidence in Clemson's quarterback room improving this year just because either DJ will get back to some sort of acceptable level or they'll play the freshman. Well, can't get much worse. If you have a favorite win total over and or under, um, or you can spin it with like the team that you think will be overvalued early in the season or undervalued. So kind of just like a a buying and selling uh, ACC overview where you want to go with this. Is Louisville still five and a half or we we mostly sixes there? I kind of like that either way. I think Louisville will have the best offense that they've had under Scott Satterfield. You get Malik Cunningham back. You get a pretty nice offensive lineback. They do lose Tyler Harrell, the, the transfer receiver to Alabama, uh, but that's not really a drop-back offense anyway. It's, it's more of a play-action type system, and I feel like they're fairly good at scheming guys open. Uh, defensively, one position they, they needed to address for a long time uh, was the nose guard spot. 
Louisville would give up a lot of movement if you watch them at the point of attack from that zero tech. And this year they went and they got or Jermaine Lole. I know yep. Florida was trying to get him, and then Florida was annoyed they could not get him. That could be a big-time help. Now, he didn't really play much last year, only 250 snaps at Arizona State before getting hurt. But if he's back and healthy, I think that team you know, could win eight games, right? And their over-under is like six. Now, I already played them at Syracuse and laid two. So I kind of like just laying the number at Syracuse better than, than I do um, you know, playing Louisville's win total over. But, but either are, are a fine bet, in my opinion. Just if they lose that Syracuse game, they're probably not going to go over the, the win total, right? It, yeah, that's my only. That's my only beef with it too. I mean, their schedule is vicious. I mean, I have. A, they only have two pretty much given wins on the whole schedule. I have them favored in six games by under a touchdown. There'll be a dog at Clemson, and they have three true coin flips. And like they're only you know three point favorites at Syracuse, and then the last two games of the year, it's like NC State at home, coin flip at Kentucky, coin flip. So it's like the first and last games. Are you tying up your money? I pro- I agree. I project them at like seven four. But there's there's so many coin flips on his schedule that is just completely unrelenting. But they won six games last year, went zero and four in one possession games. I think that they're trending up, but maybe they're just better to bet in the first and last game, and then on a game to game basis during the year. But if I was going to pick a side on Louisville, certainly would go over uh, from a numbers perspective. Yeah, I agree with that too. But Malik Cunningham is so important to that offense that without him, they lose their biggest weapon through the air on the ground. And I think, you know, I want to play the win total over too. I've held myself back this preseason because if something happens to him, uh, teams that cannot tackle in space get run over by Louisville completely. So keep your eye on that this year. Louisville's offensive line is really good. Okay. As far as far as run blocking, Syracuse lost everybody on the defensive line who played 250 plus snaps last year. Is that the opening game you want? If you're Syracuse, like an offensive line from Louisville, that's ready to roll and come hit you in the mouth. I, I don't think that it is. And I'm a little skeptical about some of these replacements. The Cuse has along that defensive line. They're going to tell you they're going to be, you know, undersized, but fast penetrating. They better be because that they are really lacking bulk. If you, if you look at their projected depth chart, do they have any 300 pounders up front or even any guys who are 290? It's, it's uh if you're just on the field watching them warm up, I think that would be something you would notice. Like, okay, this is kind of one of the more extreme speed defenses, not uh, not somebody that can withstand getting punched. Yeah, and we talked about that before. I mean, I I really like – I mean, the line just feels fishy, but I, I really like Louisville there too. I mean, linebackers are strength on their defense. The secondary, they hit hard, they hit the portal hard to improve a secondary. It was really bad last year. But we don't – does anyone really afraid of what Syracuse is going to do through the air this year? And, and you're right, that offensive line, which returns, I think, over 110 starts – brings in a, a new offense coordinator who I think will improve the offensive line uh, also. So, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. How about someone you're selling in the ACC? Yeah, so I, I have two that, that I've already bet the under on. Um, and, look, I don't like Georgia Tech either, but I feel like their number has gotten pretty damn low. Maybe there's still some room there. Uh, but I, I did play under on Syracuse at 5.5 minus 90, which is a steep price, but I, I felt like I, I don't see a whole lot of path for them to get six. Maybe I'll be wrong. The other team I'm fading pretty hard is Virginia. I'm not really sure that they have a whole lot of talent to make that defense improve a whole lot. And then here's the key. They lost all five offensive line starters off that team last year. And Virginia is a squad that has trouble taking transfers because a lot of people's credits are not going to transfer in to Virginia. And they took two this year. They took John Paul Flores from Dartmouth and they took Mark Hollensteiner from Georgetown. Hollensteiner was a pretty decorated guy at Georgetown. Here's the problem. He's not on their roster, guys. He transferred back to Georgetown for quote-unquote personal reasons. That offensive line is really, really young. And I just feel like they had a special mixture last year. 
I don't see this team winning six games. I have them like slightly under six. So you know, for me, seven and a half minus 40 to the under uh, is, is the play uh, with UVA that I currently like, like at current odds in the ACC. And Brian Armstrong is going to be running for his life. This is the same thing as Malik Cunningham, uh, except he has a bit of an offensive line to protect him. There's no offensive line here whatsoever. Brian Armstrong gets hurt. That's the entire Virginia offense. So, you know, good luck to Tony Elliott in his first year. I think the defensive coordinator hire was great, but that's not going to change overnight. The only thing they have going for them is a pretty easy schedule and it's a pretty easy start. Yeah. Could they start seven and oh, like if everything goes right, if you believe in Virginia, like that's, you know, before you get to the end of the, the season, like that's that you could look at that. And that's why you would be kind of cautious to go under, but yeah, I agree with you. They went 122 starts returned last year on the offensive line. FBS starts this year. It's two, two FBS starts on the offensive line. That's an enormous question. What can Armstrong do with all like a roster that like has so many questions. And so, yeah, the schedule is favorable, but you're right. I think that there's way more questions than answers outside of the quarterback position with a Virginia team that only won six games last year. And that includes a win against Miami who missed like a 28 yard field goal to win the game. And they've gone six and six the last two years, two of those wins, their opponent missed a field, a chip shot field goal to win. And actually I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about Florida state. So I'll give, I'll give you one sentence thoughts on Nervell. Yeah. Quick thoughts on FSU. I think the number's good boosters. I know there who had to cut the check to pay Willie Taggart are, uh, are happy with, Norvell making consistent progress. They think it was a dumpster fire. He took over. So they're going to be patient with him. Dion's not going to be the head coach in 2023. Appreciate you joining us. Uh, where can people find you at? Yeah, guys, just follow me on Twitter at Bud Elliott three. I do a little newsletter. Uh, just email Bud Elliott CFB at gmail.com and uh, check us out on the cover three podcast uh, five days a week during the season. We'll talk to you throughout the year. Uh, good luck this season. And uh, thanks for all your insight. All right. See you guys. All right, Con. let's get into some of the teams. We'll touch on every team. Some of them, we won't go that in depth on like Duke, because who cares? Uh, I guess I should say the odds to win the conference. Clemson, my, uh, around, around minus 150 to win the ACC. Next up is Miami at plus 500. NC State around plus 800. Obviously, shop around for the best number. Pulled these from one book right before this recording. Pitt 10 to 1. Wake 21 to 1. UNC 25 to 1. Louisville 30 to 1. Florida State 30 to 1. Virginia, BC around 50 to 1. As with Va Tech, and then you're in the dregs with Georgia Tech and Duke. I think Duke's 1,000 to 1 to win the ACC. But let's start in the ACC Atlantic, where Clemson's a, around a minus 200, minus 220 favorite. NC State next at plus 425. The key here is that Clemson does host NC State, which will go a long way in determining who wins the division. And that's one of the reasons why Clemson is a favorite here. We'll start with Clemson. Win total over 10 and a half. We talked about them, right? New coordinators, quarterback battle, nasty defense. Some questions on the offensive line. What will receiver look like should be improved. You know, they've, they lost like four centers in the last two years. You know, usually we're used to Clemson, you know, of two, three years ago, they're double-digit favorites in every game, right? Well, this year I have them double-digit favorites in seven games. That's it. That's low for, uh, you know, the Clemson of a couple of years ago. And additionally, at BC is a tough spot, right? At BC comes after the NC State game and before at FSU. Same against Louisville, right? They played Louisville at home. That's after a, a trip to Notre Dame and before a game against Miami. So some tough spots in there on, on games that they're going to be uh, at least a medium-sized favorite. I have them only favored by single digits in five games and or coin flip at Notre Dame, at Wake, NC State at home, Miami at home, and Florida State. So there's games that they could certainly drop, especially if the quarterback play doesn't improve. 
and you know the coordinators they've had coordinator continuity for so long i project them at 9.8 so a win total sitting at 10 and a half i'm at like 975 976 i think uh, i'd lead under here and uh, it's all eyes on the quarterback situation what are your thoughts on the clemson win total yeah, I'm under with you. I project this at 10, so I'd say under 10 and a half. I went to ACC media days with a, the whole goal of getting in front of DJ Uyunglele and seeing what I could take from the kid. 235 pounds. He ballooned up to 260 after the season last year after the Cheez-It Bowl. Uh, he looked thin. He's got meal control. He's He's got his workouts. It's hard to deny that he listens to the whispers. He reads message boards and he hears voices when he has bad play. Not sure I can bet a national championship on a player or a quarterback of a college football team that is listening to whispers and rumors and reading message boards. It's just, you know, and he had a season last year, nine TDs, nine interceptions. He had a drop rate of 30%. Uh, his adjusted completion rate uh, fell off the map below 50% when he had a pressured pocket. So whether that's weight related or that's mental related footwork, it doesn't matter. One of the worst seasons for a quarterback on a team that's supposed to contend for the national championship. So we'll see if he can pick it up. When we look at the Cade Klubnik kid, uh, 0.9951 was his recruiting rank, uh, which is just, you know, a couple hundred tenths below where Trevor Lawrence was the year before. We're going to swap out offensive coordinator Tony Elliott. We're going to come in with Brandon Streeter, and that's the quarterback coach. Is Streeter going to be able to replicate what? Tony Elliott did, what Jeff Scott did, what Chad Morris did. They were able to go through those seamless transitions, but they had Deshaun Watson. They had Trevor Lawrence. They had Kelly Bryant. So, you know, we're going to find out what DJ is made of. And I think maybe we could be on to Klubnik pretty fast if he doesn't get it worked out. So all eyes on the quarterback position, an offensive line that should dominate. Jordan McFadden is back. They got had better continuity as the year went on. And they have a great running attack between Kobe Pace and Will Shipley. They're not Travis Etienne. I should point that out. I think we got baby by Travis Etienne forever. Maybe an underrated player that we've ever seen in college football because this offense has been literally broken ever since he left. And then on the defense, Miles Murphy is going to be a household name as an edge rusher. Brian Barisi is going to be back from his torn ACL. He's climbing NFL boards and interior. It's the best D-line in college football. Cubs is really Experience. One, you know, they don't have coordinator continuity, but usually they lose a ton of guys in the NFL. They didn't really lose much. They so they went from like one of the least experienced teams last season to now, you know, top forty. It's they're not used to being there. They usually lose a lot in the NFL. Now they don't bring anyone in the transfer portal, but they're much more experienced this year. They did still win ten games last year, but they went five and two in one possession games. Easily could have only been like seven wins. Quarterback play has to get better. But the question is on defense: how much they miss Venables, and then is the defensive line just so good? Because the one question on the defense is in the secondary. Yeah. You know, is it, is it so good that it doesn't even matter in the secondary? Those are my two main questions with the defense. Venables impact. And then is the defensive line just so good that it doesn't really matter what they lost in the secondary? 14 teams in the ACC. That's what, 10% of all of FBS. And in the top 20 of NFL quarterback prospects for next year's draft, you could argue seven are in this conference. That's what 35% of the top 20. So there's very capable quarterbacks in this league. So like, that's what you're, we're going to have to handicap with Clemson all year. It's like, okay, you're going up against all these quarterbacks. How much can their defensive line just disrupt anything, everything? They're certainly going to get tested. You look at NC state, right. And they're, and they got questions in the, in the backfield, right. We'll get to them with Jordan Houston, but I mean, they lost two of their best running backs. So is there a rushing attack out there or should teams just line up and start throwing on first down against this defensive line? So it's going to be really interesting to see how they're attacked and if it's going to be at the linebacker level, if it's going to be at the secondary level, because Venables isn't there. So I think Goodwin's going to get tested real fast. It's going to be a fascinating watch, but I'm under on this team. Klubnik, I, I really like what he did in the spring. He's got the pedigree. 
he ran track. Uh, so he, you know, in high school, so he's got some burner, he's got some legs on him. He can take off from the pocket. It's going to be completely different than what DJ brings to the table. So we'll see how Clemson season go. But for me, under 10 and a half. Hey, it was BYOG. Bring your own guts. And they brought some guts. Talked about NC State getting a lot of love preseason, uh, especially from uh, a guy with the initial CW. A win total sitting at over eight and a half, like minus 160 or, eight, you know, around nine. Depends on where you look. This is a team that's getting a lot of love. And like I mentioned, in the, they're the only team in the ACC that brings their entire staff back. They get Devin Leary back, a quarterback. Their entire staff is back one the most experienced defenses in the country. You could argue the best linebacking core in the country. There are questions at receiver. They lose their leading receiver. They lost two dynamite running backs. They lose their star left tackle to the NFL. A little worried about some of the pressure they can generate off the edge and havoc. Special teams, maybe a question. They lost a punter to the NFL and a stud kick returner, one of those two backs. They do have a good kicker, at least. And I look at their schedule, win total, like I said, sitting around yeah, really juiced eight and a half, nine. I have them double-digit favorites in seven games. But that ECU game, I've talked about it. It's a tough spot. And so is the game against Cuse. They go to Cuse after Clemson and Florida State. And, you know, we've seen it before even with Clemson. Like, weird things can happen at Syracuse. So two of those games where they should be double-digit favorites, like right around 10, those are, t- those are two tough spots in there. Then they have four coin flips, right? Like at Louisville, at UNC to close out the year. You know, they have Vatek at home, Florida State, they at least get at home. That game comes after Clemson, maybe maybe another tough spot. It's also worth mentioning the Cuse is off a bye in that tough spot. I project them at like eight, six, five. So I would like, you know, if you could get like a, I guess I would lean under, but I think the number's pretty right. They haven't won 10 games since 2002 when Phillip Rivers was there. They did get like, you know, a number of special teams and defensive touchdowns last year. They're plus six turnover margin. Their defense should be nasty, but they just – I'm worried about the passing offense. They were, what, 91st in passing success rate, and now you lose a Messi. Ah, but you love NC State. You're in on them to win the conference. Explain why. I do. They have enough experience coming back on the offensive line. Last year they were 13th in Havoc allowed. I don't think Devin Leary is going to get touched. And when you talk about that, Devin Leary's numbers continue to take off. A ridiculous TD to INT rate. He was 35 a- touchdowns, five interceptions last year. So I, I mentioned their turnover margin. Well, it helps when you have a quarterback – who is 30 more touchdowns and interceptions. Leary ranks as the best quarterback in the nation in turnover-worthy play rate. I mean, you can call that offensive line. You can call that, you know, bad defenses in the ACC. An amazing stat, and that shows you how accurate Leary was. I think he's going to be able to go into Clemson just fine. If you can go into Mississippi State and you can listen to the cowbells ring all day, I think you're not going to have a problem with any kind of audible sound or anything from a decibel level when he goes down and plays against Clemson. Dave Doran believes in this team so much. They added just one player in the transfer portal. So the team is just loaded in every single unit, more than 77% but back on both sides of the ball. And the big question, like I said, is the running back where Jordan Houston, I mean, he has patiently waited for this team to get starter duties. In 2019, he was on fire. He had 26 missed tackles. He averaged 3.7 yards after contact. Uh, and then he just got buried in the depth charts by Bam Bam Knight and Ricky Person. So it's Houston's time. We'll see what he can do. And there's guys behind him too. Uh, so from an experience perspective, it looks like they don't have any because, uh, you know, you look at last year's stats, but, you know, Jordan Houston actually has been there before. And I'll say this, it's like, is it unfathomable that NC State can make the college football playoff? I mean, Wake Forest and Pitt were in this situation last year where we were still talking about them in November. Now, uh, granted, Wake, we, we knew they had no shot, but I mean, at least they were in the discussion uh, every Tuesday night when they released the rankings. When you flip over the defense, this might be the best overall defense. And defensive corner Tony Gibson is probably 
the best in the game right now. They were top 30 in Havoc, and now they get their linebacker, Drake Thomas, two shutdown corners back. The defense is just absolutely loaded. And when you question, like, Clemson, if NC State defense can stop a Will Shipley and a Kobe Pace in the run game, the Wolfpack finished fifth in the nation defensive stuff rate. They were in the gaps. No one was getting through the line of scrimmage. So there's a great chance they're tackling behind the line of scrimmage and beating Clemson again. They've already done it. There's no mental hurdle here with beating Clemson. They've already done it. This team is super focused and super pissed off that their bowl game was called off the day of. It's all they could talk about. The head coach looked mad at media days. The players looked mad. I couldn't get them to crack a smile. Because if you remember, Rutgers got to go play a bowl game because they had one day notice, right? I mean, NC State would have loved to have anybody come in and fill that spot. So I'm sold on these guys more than anything. Obviously, the hedge spot is Clemson. Now, that number's come down from 14 to 1, I think 8 to 1 to win the ACC. And that's not good because you're going to have to spend your hedge money right there in that spot. But yes, NC State is the play. And there's only one game to hedge, and it's against Clemson. And I'm not, I'm not hedging. I'm playing NC State all the way worried about that is do they have enough explosiveness in the passing attack like I, i'm not doubting leary's ability but just right. it, was an all, it was a passing attack that lacked explosiveness last year and you lose your most explosive receiver and your explosive backs like you're going up against that clemson defensive front uh, that's that's the game they're gonna have to win to get to the acc championship in all likelihood uh so no play for me on nc state i think that game at ec is going to set the tone for their season and don't sleep on tripping up at Hughes if they end up beating clemson but let's finish up in the atlantic we talked about florida state I like what they're doing. I, I lean over here. Welcome aboard, slugger. But they just they have a, I, I think I project them at, if you can find like over six and a half minus 140. I project them at like seven, three. Not enough to play it. There's a lot of coin flip games uh, with the win totals in the ACC. So I have to really show value and really have a, uh, a strong opinion. And as we talked to Bud, who knows Florida State really well, he says that's about right. That game against LSU week one will go a long way in determining that win total, I would imagine. Not an easy schedule. Colin, you you are looking for Florida State, who went up against Kelly and took them to overtime. Now Kelly at LSU, and also in week one, will take on Florida State. You like Florida State in that game, plus three? I do, I do. I, I took them at plus seven when it opened uh, way early back in March. I took them again at plus three. Uh, I think you're going to play this through the pick. Uh, it's down to two and a half. I think it's going to go that way. And I wouldn't be surprised if Florida State is a favorite going in. And like Bud said, it should be, you know, two massive mountain-sized defensive lines trying to control the game. But, you know, this is the best returning numbers that Mike Norville's had. They're returning 79% on offense and 95% on defense. Uh, nearly all the receiving yards are coming back. All the defensive tackles are mostly coming back. The PBUs all return. Uh, the defense was really successful last year. And now Adam Fuller and Randy Shannon are going to try to reproduce top 30 ranks and success rate and rush explosiveness, tackling, finishing drives. Havoc. They, the defense is there. And, you know, I got to take, talk to Jamie Robinson at ACC Media Days. He's one of the best slot coverage defenders, and he has just an immaculate tackling grade. Just 16 misses in his entire career dating back to South Carolina. And the pass rush, you know, ended 43rd in the nation. Uh, you know, players like Robert Cooper in the interior, who, who's an elite run stopper, but he falls off a bit in the pass rush. So they've got to get more pressure on the quarterback. We'll see what they can do against the LSU offensive line. Kenny Dillingham has left as offensive coordinator. Some people would argue that that's not really that big of a loss, but bringing in Alex Atkins, who, who's been working with the offensive line for a couple of years, you can expect more Jordan Travis quarterback runs. I think we're in for more explosive plays, more highlights. The question with Travis is, is can you keep the chains moving? Can you have any kind of success rate, not just rely on the big play? 78% uh, of the offensive line snaps come back. So that's a good thing. That's a good thing for continuity. 
And some of the portal assisted Norvell. He brought in plus 11 players gained, and Florida State was one of the more explosive teams on offense. So we'll see what they can do on passing downs. We'll see what they can do about getting first downs. Um, you know, it, the, the offensive line is still a work in progress. I mean, they were working from scratch about three years ago during the Taggart era. Last year, they finished 82nd stuff rate. That's got to improve. 114th and havoc allowed. Like we just talked with Bud about the LSU game, about the defensive lines controlling. FSU's offensive line was 114th and havoc allowed. That has got to get cleaned up, but 27th and explosive play rate. So that's what you give a Florida State. And, you know, they get a warm up with uh, Duquesne in week zero before taking on LSU. So all eyes are going to be on that, see how the trench works out. As, you know, the skill positions may get the day off, uh, they may be pulled out after a few scores. I think the trench is going to be important watching that game. Uh, but you know, we'll see. So yeah, definitely. I'm, I like the Florida state over, but for them, I mean, my projection is around seven and a half, but to get that over, you're going to have to beat LSU. So might as well just go ahead and call it good. Take my points with, uh, with Florida state there in the first game. And if they don't win that game, they have a really tough shot of going over that win total. Yeah. Then you're right away. You're at Louisville the next week, uh, but they were much better with Jordan Travis last week for reference. Yeah. I project them 7.4 wins. If I would lean over, there's probably gonna be opportunities just throughout the year. I mean, either at Ville and LSU, probably gonna be decided in the first three weeks. I have a double digit favorite in five games, underdog in five games. Um, ne- never a, a big underdog. Uh, and then minus seven and two other ones. Their defense does it. They're placed two really good defensive ends, but they're loaded up front. Um, they did rank top 10 in red zone D last year and they forced 20 takeaways. So we'll see if they can repeat some of the good things we saw from the defense, but I think they're heading in the right direction. They brought in some good transfers on the offensive line. And I think that unit, which has been just a nightmare for Florida State, four straight losing seasons for Florida State. I can't believe I'm saying that in my lifetime, but I think the offensive line is finally headed in the right direction. That's been a major part of their downfall um, over the past four seasons. Elsewhere in the ACC Atlantic, we talked about Ville. We lean over, but there's going to be opportunities yeah. just to bet them on a game-to-game basis. Q's lean under there. I don't think the offensive coordinator is a fit, and I think uh, that team has way more questions than answers. The two teams that are left, Wake Forest and BC. Wake Forest, obviously, they both have NFL prospects at quarterback. Wake Forest with Sam Hartman back. BC with Phil Jerkovich. Uh, Wake Forest sitting at over 8.5 wins, plus 110. BC over 6.5, plus 120. Um, any feel on either of those, I'll tell you just my quick thoughts are that I, I, I don't know how much Phil Jerkovich in, I, I think their new offense coordinator will help. Um, and I don't know how much Phil Jerkovich's, Jerkovich's injury last year impacted his performance. Um, and then I trust Halfley to eventually fix the D. There are questions on that defense, but uh, I really trusted him. So it's probably a pass for me. And then same with Wake. I project Wake. I show a little bit of value on the under with Wake, but I like the defensive coordinator hire in Lambert, and I have just so much respect for Hartman. And then Clawson usually just finds way to overperform my projection, so lean under there. Um, and uh, so those are both passes for me. Um, I think you'd like the under in both, right? Yeah, under in both, bet in both. So Boston College under six and a half projected at 4.8. Jeff McNulty is the new offensive coordinator. If that name doesn't ring familiar, he was the – Offensive coordinator at Rutgers in 2019, he had a 57% rush rate as a coordinator and he ran a lot of 11. So the question is, you know, he's going to run play action a lot. He loves play action. So will the running backs, Pat Garwo and Alex Singfield running back, are they going to be able to fool defenses enough to give Phil Jakovic enough time to, to run that play action? The defense is getting better. You can see Jeff Hampley's 
Jeff Halfley's uh, stamp coming on the team, sixth in tackling, 17th in defensive finishing drives. The problem, they can't produce a pass rush. They can't generate any havoc. Uh, and, you know, speaking of Phil Dracovic last year, he only had 50% of his grip when he came back from, uh, from an injury. So, you know, they're going to have to deal with that. They only had four portal players taken, uh, but wide receiver Zay Flowers does return and he was 18th in the nation and average depth of target. So, you know, they, I think it's just going to be more of the same. And I don't think the more of the same means that that team is seven wins. Uh, the offensive line returns less than 50% of their snaps from last season and they were 113th in pressure allowed. So, I can't get over the hump with Boston College when you return half your offensive line. And last year's offensive line was 113th in pressure allowed. So I'm out. Uh, plenty of shutdown, uh, uh, you know, front sevens on this schedule to shut down the rushing attack. Clemson, Notre Dame, FSU, NC State. I don't like BC's chances of getting anything going against those teams. So uh, I'm going to take the under there. And then, real quick on Wake Forest, you know, just there's going to be a pullback on this offense. And Jaquari Robinson, Roberson did so much with his 112 targets. He's out of there. And now A.T. Perry is back. And I'm telling you, the highlights that you can pull up on YouTube and Twitter of A.T. Perry, they're fantastic. But what people don't realize is he ranked 133rd last year and 11% of his targets being dropped. Uh, That's a lot of drops for a guy that's about to take on number one duties on every down and not just as like a you know, the guy that Hartman's looking for on third down can't say anything bad about Sam Hartman, a two to one ratio and big time throws versus turnover worthy plays, Uh, you know, but his uncatchable pass rate dipped to 39th of all quarterbacks in the power five. And that was a little bit shocking to me. So he has the deepest uh, average depth of target in the nation. So maybe that plays a little bit of the factor into it. And you're right. Brad Lambert is a great defensive coordinator. He was at Charlotte for a number of years. His defense is always ranked high in Havoc, top 40 in Havoc. He goes to Purdue, uh, <laughs> you know, who only had one guy on the defensive line that we've loved to back the last couple of years. He changes the whole look of that of that defense. 35th in finishing drives uh, and Havoc. And before that, they were outside the top 75. So I do believe Brad Lambert can do better here, but this is not going to be as flashy of an offense as we're used to. And after watching what Army did on offense last year and some of these other teams on offense, you know, Brad Lambert's got his work cut out on defense. So I I think eight is the more proper number and under eight and a half on Wake Forest is the way to go. All right, let's move on to the ACC Coastal Division. Miami has done a plus 110 favorite to win the division pit plus 285. UVA plus 575, UNC plus 650, Votech plus 850, then Georgia Tech, who cares, 33 to 1. Uh, I don't even know where Duke is. Um, Duke, by the way, yeah, who cares? We're not going to talk about a new coach, quarterback battle. I think we can get like under three and a half minus 180. In order to go over, we're probably going to have to win at Kansas. It's probably the game it comes down to. They have some winnable non-conference games, but we're not talking about Duke football here. We already spent too much time talking about Kansas here today. Um, so – I'll tell you with uh, I'm all in on Miami to win. I haven't win the division. So uh, I'm, I think you're going to try to sell, sell me on pit. I hate pit this year. I, I have pit under eight and a half. I also found Miami plus plus one sixty to win the division. It's down to plus plus one ten. Ideally you could try to find at some books, try to find plus plus one thirty or better, but I have pit under eight and a half minus minus one ten, And I have Miami to win the division there. I, I I'm still, I just can't figure out what Clemson's going to be. And I would rather just, go with the head-to-head because I'm lower on pit. I hate the offensive coordinator higher. I think they're just going to turn in back into Narduzzi, just boring, and they're going to be in a lot a lot more closer games than they might anticipate with their style, and they're going to be in lower-scoring games. And um, and by the way, they go to Miami, um, which will probably go a long way in deciding the division in the regular season finale. 
Um, I love the Miami. I love Van Dyke. I think the offense will be great. The offensive line is improving. You can bring in Cristobal there. You can expect an offensive line bump. The offense was, oh, I think they averaged 37 points in the nine games that Van Dyke started last year. That wasn't the issue. They also got extremely unlucky in, in close games last year. Easily could have won 10 games. Um, so I think that the coaching hire, Cristobal coming in, steal a defensive coordinator, I think is going to do wonders because, look, the problem last year, what was the problem? Discipline on defense, right? Tackling, penalties. Those are fixable things quickly, right? It's not a lack of talent. So I think you can expect a bump on the defensive end. Um, and uh, so, uh, yeah, I don't like anything that Pitt is doing. Their defense should be solid, as always, especially up front. But you lose Pickett, you lose Addison, which is just a huge loss. And I think that the losing Whipple um, is just it's going to hurt. And I think that they're going to get a lot less efficient on offense. So I'm all in a Miami to win the division at, at plus money and um, pit under eight and a half wins. If you look at their schedule, um, I think it really comes down to can they go 500 against like at Louisville, at UNC, at Miami, at Virginia, home against Tennessee and Votek. I, I will bet that they do not. Um, and that's assuming they take care of business in their other six games. And like I said, I could see them drop in a game, an Arduzzi classic, um, when they're just going to get extremely run happy. And uh, this pass offense, I think, is going to take a big step back. So I'm not a big Slovis guy. Um, so that's who I, I like to win the division. And my favorite win total is Pitt under, in addition to Georgia Tech under. I'll keep it brief with Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech under three and a half minus one ten. It's I think it's it's a little more juice now. It's what I bet. By, by the way, actionnetwork.com and action network app. I, I'll have details for all of my win totals. Um, this team was decimated by the portal. They only returned six total starters. That's the lowest in the ACC. I am not buying what Jeff Collins is selling. I wanted to to buy. And it was going to be a tough task transitioning from the triple option. Had a pandemic thrown in there. And he loves but the waffles, right? He, we love him because he loves the waffles. Yeah. Yeah, but I've not been impressed with the in-game decisions. Um, everything should be a mess. They lose Gibbs to Alabama, too, which is just a massive loss. Defense only returns two starters. They transitioning to a four-man front. Lose three starters in the secondary. It's massive roster turnover. I think Collins might not make it through the year. You have schematic changes on both ends. They bring in an off new offensive coordinator, Chip Long, who I hate. He was awful at Tulane last year. I don't like anything about this team. Then you look at their schedule. Arguably the hardest in the nation. Um, they have three winnable games at home, in my opinion. That's it. Their win total is three and a half. That's it. Against Virginia, Duke, and the Western, Car Western Carolina. Keep in mind, this is a Georgia Tech team that lost to Stanford. A, a triple option. And Stan uh, Citadel, excuse me. Triple option. A Citadel team that still runs a triple option at home um, in the Collins era. But Duke, can they beat Duke, Virginia, and Western Carolina at home to get the three wins? I don't know. Maybe. Um I, they'll probably beat Duke in Western Carolina. Um, I'll have them. I have them as a dog against Virginia. But if they can sweep those to get the three, they got to get one more to go over. Clemson, they're three touchdown underdogs in Atlanta. Ole Miss at UCF, at Pitt, at Florida State, at Vatek, Miami, at UNC, at Georgia. Where's the win? So I'll pay to make them win their beat Virginia, win the other two winnable games, and then find an upset. In one of those games, I have a double-digit underdog in all nine of those games. Um, so I went under three and a half. I think this could be a disaster for Georgia Tech and 
they might be starting over again. So ACC Coastal for me is where all my favorite bets are in the ACC. Pitt under eight and a half wins. Georgia Tech under three and a half. And then Miami to win the Coastal. Um, I will we'll get to UNC and Vatech, but I'll let you um, – let's start with Pitt. You bet Pitt to win the ACC. Let me get your thoughts on the fighting Narduzzi's. Yeah, I, lo- I love Pitt to win the ACC. I know I said the N- NC State, but that is my pick to be the championship game here is NC State versus Pitt. The loss of Whipple is interesting. The, the, it depends on the way you look at it, right? They were running an extremely high tempo with Kenny Pickett last year, something that Pat Narduzzi is not comfortable with whatsoever. It worked. You have to keep letting Whipple go when he's got an offense that's working. So keep your eyes on Nebraska, where Scott Frost is getting up in front of the media every day this, this week and saying, Whips is in control. Whips is in control. And I feel like a lot of that was going on out of pit last year. Well, Whipple moves on. He's able to go and pick out his own uh, coordinator, and he immediately targets Frank Signetti uh, over at Boston College coming in there for Phil uh, Dracovic after a number of years where Signetti was in the NFL as a quarterback's coach, and he specifically wanted him to come in and work with Slovis. Uh, but I think the writing is on the wall, or at least it was said a billion times at ACC media days, we are going to be a very slow, bruising, rushing offense. Uh, there is no plans for Slovis to be airing this thing out on first and second down. Uh, I think it's going to be a completely different scheme from him. According to Narduzzi, he's picking it up and Slovis is going to be uh, just fine in this offense, especially because he's not going to be dependent on to save them all the time. He's picking uh, up what? Handing the ball off? I mean, I hope he can <laughs> hand the ball off. Well, there comes a play-action pass once you're going to establish a little bit of a ground game. Uh, but, you know, the junior recorded 54 touchdowns and 21 interceptions as a Trojan. He deflated last year. Uh, he had a nearly even distribution of big-time throws and turnover-worthy plays. But then again, uh, USC was a bit of a mess last year, so you get, maybe give a pass on that. Uh, but there's no doubt they're going to be handing off the ball and Pitt returns three running backs with a hundred rushing attempts from last season. Uh, Israel Abin Conda, Vincent Davis, Rodney Hammond, they're all going to run behind an offensive line that returns every starter. I mean, Pitt, I, I have to get into how great this defense is going to be. It's a Narduzzi defense. Uh, they are going to swarm. They are going to, you know, hit every single advanced five. Yeah, they'll they'll tackle tackles for loss. The yeah, yeah, defensive yeah. line has two pros on it. Yeah. They're, I mean, yeah, their defense is going to be, Good. They'll give up big plays. They play aggressive quarters defense on the outside. Yeah, their defense yeah. is going to be good, but they're then they're they're going to be playing like twenty to seventeen games every week. Right, they are, and I and I trust that this defense is going to be able to do what they always do. Like you usually can't count on havoc to turn into scores, but Pitt has a way of doing it. Uh, Servassier Dennis, I know, is going to be named to our All American team coming up here, the Action Network All American team that we're going to put out. Uh, and I just there's no drop off to this pit defense whatsoever, and it was good enough to get them there last year. A big difference between you and me, and I'll pivot into Miami. Pitt doesn't play Clemson and, and Miami does. So, you know, that, that is certainly one thing to take into account when you look at strength of schedule, what these two teams have to go up with. And that is something that Pitt has, uh, you know, a clear example of like, you know, Pitt's average strength of SP plus defenses is, is 70th as to where Miami's is 59. So, you know, there's definitely a tougher uh, slate here for Miami to get through than there is for Pitt. Miami, there's just things I'm not comfortable with. I don't, feel as if Cristobal likes his two guards in his center. Tyler Van Dyke told me, you know, I asked him, I said, what do you see out of this offense? It's going to be different than last year. He said that Cristobal is going to use a lot of pulling guards, a pulling center, uh, and they're undersized. And they're not, you know, what he wants on the offensive line. The tackles are fine. 
the tackles are exactly fit the crystal ball mold, but it sounds like instead of, you know, all five offensive lines sitting there and, and defending Tyler Van Dyke, there's going to be a lot of shifting the pocket. There's going to be a lot of pulls here. And that, you know, I don't think if Bethune Cookman gets one pressure on Miami in the first week, that'll be shocking. Watch for Southern Miss, but then I would not back Miami against Texas A&M whatsoever. So keep your eyes on the interior part of the Miami uh, offensive line. And then the defense, Kevin Steele, he has really, really got his work cut out for him here. Uh, we're talking about, you know, a, a team that struggled with everything from tackling to uh, finishing drives. Uh, Miami was just completely fell off a map under the Man- Manny Diaz era. Uh, they trashed the they trashed the turnover chain uh, as Brett, uh, you know, was able to crack the news on that. Uh, and it looks like Mario Cristobal is ready to turn a page. But I'm not sure this is the team that he wants. But the good news is the season ends with Pitt and Miami. We can settle it then. You and I will have some turkey, and then we'll settle our beef on on who's gonna who's gonna win this coastal here. Um, you know, other yeah, I mean, Pitt, Pitt does Pitt doesn't have Clemson, but even if Miami loses to Clemson and they're end up being tied, it, it, it will come down to that game at Miami, yeah. who I will have over I have over a touchdown favorite in that game. Um, and yeah. Pitt also has to go to Ville and to UNC back to back weeks, both teams off of a bye. Um, that's not going to be an easy stretch. They do have a, a lot. All their winnable games are at home, um, which is what I don't like about a win total. And look, Pitt last year, I also think that the, the loss of Brett Marion is big, but their wide receiver coach is now the passing game coordinator um, at Texas. But keep in mind that before last year with Whipple, they finally were throwing the ball with a quarterback who got drafted in the first round with the Blitnikoff winner who now is gone. That was the first time they won more than eight games in 11 years. Um so uh, you, I think that there's pit, you're going to see a couple pit head scratching losses, um, aka to Western Michigan at home last year. Um, and hey, dude, uh, he's able to upset a top five team every time he's able to lose to a MAC team. So yeah, well, they don't play Clemson, so they're, <laughs> um, that's a that's a win off the board. Um, and then I just wouldn't worry about to, to as a rebuttal for you because we're kind of in agreement with the ACC Atlantic, but yeah, I, I not with the coast. I mean, Miami, I wouldn't, I just not worried about a crystal ball offensive line. And then Kevin Steele, especially as a linebacker, linebacker unit. And that's where Miami really struggled last year. Um, and that and discipline and defense, I think just the, the more serious nature of the staff and, and Steele's expertise at the linebacker position, there's just too much talent for it not to improve. Um, but uh, yeah. yeah, did you have anything else to add? Yeah, there's one other team uh, in the coast I want to talk about, and that is that my numbers are so much higher on Virginia Tech than everybody else. So I double tricked, I double and triple checked my numbers on Virginia Tech to figure out what's going on here. Uh, I mean, I'm a full game and a half higher than what the market is at, and nobody has any love for Virginia Tech. I went to ACC Media Days. I think I shook everybody's hand instead of introducing myself. I just asked everybody what they think of Virginia Tech. Uh, I'm going back to how I build a PR. This team caught plus seven points for me for TARP. 80% of the defense numbers come back from PBU tackles and pressures. The offense is considered to have 100% of its passing yards back because quarterback Grant Wells transfers in from Marshall. So that's how they got a seven-point bump there. Second-order win total was neutral. Uh, I even docked Virginia Tech a couple points for the new coaching regime coming in, even though I like Brent uh, Brent Pry. Uh, his offensive coordinator, Tyler Bowen, was a co-coordinator and tight end coach at Penn State, so they know each other from there. Essentially, you know, that whole staff was wiped out when Franklin tapped Mike Yurisich to come in and call the offense at Penn State. But, you know, I, I'm looking at the power ratings. I make Virginia Tech plus 27 against Alabama in a hypothetical game. That sounds right. I make Virginia Tech plus 15 against Clemson in a hypothetical game. So my PR is right. And this flat out just comes out to 
strength of schedule. This is the second easiest schedule in the ACC when it comes to average SP plus defenses. Old Dominion, Wofford, Liberty, and then West Virginia, Transfer City. We'll see what they got in the back end is in their non-con. You look at Clemson, Ville, Florida State from the, from the Atlantic. The ACC schedule starts with BC and North Carolina. Those are not defensive fronts that I'm scared of. It's not a murderer's row of defenses. Really, the only teams I think that they're absolutely going to get plowed by is Clemson, Louisville, and Florida State. Everything else, Grant Wills should be fine. They return their top four tacklers on the defense. Uh, Brent Pry is a great defensive coordinator, so I don't understand it. I My power rating's right. I just don't get it, so I'm taking the over on these guys. I'm going to trust my numbers, but I have no friends in this room that I'm standing in. Yeah, I, I can't agree with you here. I mean, look, the, the off. The, I have some questions on the offensive line. They did bring in a good offensive line coach. They're, they're, it's another defensive change. I mean, it's their they're third DC in the mm-hmm. last four years. They're moving to like a more four three traditional look. So we'll see what that happens. I also haven't got a. I think the number's about right personally. Now they have an easy first four games and an easy last four. I mean, they close yeah. at Georgia Tech at Duke at Liberty and then home against UVA. They start with at ODU, BC at home, both Wofford at home, West Virginia at home. Technically, could go eight zero in those games. Can they get to six and two in those eight? If they do, then they're going to go over. Uh, so it's all about the start. I mean, the, the middle is tough. They go at UNC, at Pitt, Miami at home, at NC State. Well, that's why I'm staying. I, I wouldn't bet the under because of the schedule. But there's a lot of change. I don't even know if Wells is going to win the position. I'm not a Grant Wells guy either. I mean, he lost the yeah. script last year again with Marshall, and I don't know what happened because he had potential. And maybe Jason Brown wins a the job. There's technically a quarterback competition, but I need to see something from Wells before I would go over, but the schedule is certainly conducive to going over. I do have to mention the special teams since I didn't really talk. I haven't talked about them enough this episode. They were a top 10 special teams unit last year, but they lose their kicker, long snapper, and first team ACC punt returner. They do have a great punter. These are only returning all ACC player, but you're buying what Brent Pry is selling, but you're selling what Mac Brown is selling. Yeah, I'm selling Mac Brown all the way. And I, I hate to do it. A lot of people love him in the coaching industry. I know, uh, I know our friend sources, uh, the former TV camera mates there on ESPN. Uh, I, I know, you know, I, I've seen the, you know, I've seen Mac Brown in action now, live up close and in person. I understand why everybody likes him. I just don't agree with some of these moves, especially on defense. I listen when I have to do a Google search with multiple tabs, to figure out who the damn defensive coordinator is between Charlton Warren coming in from Indiana, Tommy Thigpen getting an internal promotion. Oh, hey, Gene Chizik, he's going to join. I have no clue who's calling plays. I must have spent 30 minutes trying to figure out who's going to call the plays here. But, you know, there's it seems like Jay Bateman was the hot defensive coordinator when he got to come in. Uh, He has one bad year uh, and then he's out the door. So I wasn't really comfortable with that. And then Josh Downs, uh, you know, he is one of the huge best playmakers in all of college football. Three yards per route run uh, close is what he had posted last year. If you don't know what yards per route run is, it's how explosive are you when you are targeted? And anything over two is considered really good. Josh Downs, one of the best in the nation by far, but we do have a quarterback battle. Uh, and, you know, I, I think that we've been depleted a lot on some of the weapons that we have, especially in the backfield. And this is not an easy non-conference slate. I know people are going to look at this and say, oh, it's the Sun Belt. It's fine. It's not the, just the Sun Belt. App State was circled for me in week one, but odds makers opened that thing at three down to two and a half. I mean, there's some love in the market for App State. And then after that trip to Boone, North Carolina keeps the Sun Belt World Tour going. They're going to go on and play Georgia State. And I know the numbers say that that number is going to be eight and a half, but Georgia State is stout. They're really good. So, yeah, I mean, these are the games that North Carolina has to win to get over this win total. So I'm under seven and a half all the way. I've, I mean, I've got it projected like around seven, I think. But no, I, I am not on the North Carolina bus whatsoever. 
I'm, I'm, I project right at 7.48. So it's over seven and a half plus 100. So um, nope, nothing for me. I do think that, I mean, like part of me is saying like going into it, I was like, are we, is this the time to buy North Carolina? I mean, look, they, their recruiting classes have been so good. They went from a top five team preseason, top 10 last year to under 500. So like, is, are they now like bottoming on the market, but I make it right around seven and a half. They could start five and oh, that's the key. It's going to be their non-conference games. As you said, they're tough. Georgia state's one of the most, experience teams of the country that app state's a true coin flip and then home against notre dame where they'll be probably a small dog um so yeah I easy mean, win. Uh, suck you're looking at the schedule other than duke georgia tech and florida a&m to point out the wins to me it's really hard to to find an extra uh what, what do you need five more after that find five more after that yeah i have them as a dog or a coin flip in one two three four five six seven eight eight games and then that's not even including at georgia state um but i do think that this defense might be the most improved in the nation doesn't mean they're gonna be great but last year they were like 110th like literally they're 106 epa per rush 120th in pasty so they have like nfl talent they're switching from to a three-man front they have nfl talent in the secondary um you know grimes and duck at corner I, i like um you know i like some of their linebackers and i think just being more organized on the defensive end, we'll see if it translates. But the reason I bring it up, you know, there's a quarterback battle. We'll see if they're going to be like what kind of offense they're going to be. But they could be a sneaky under team early on in the season. Um, all right. Great stuff, Colin, from you and Bud um, and hopefully from myself. Before we get out of here, let's just sum up, uh, you know, one or two of your favorite win totals. If you want to list a couple more, you can. And then your pick to win the ACC. I'm going to say... Uh, my favorite win totals, Georgia Tech under three and a half. I'll make them pull off an upset and win the three games. It should just a mess. Uh, it's still just uh, not buying what Collins is selling. They've crushed the transfer portal. <laughs> also going pit under eight and a half. Um, I think the offensive coordinator and offensive talent departing will catch up to pit this year. And then Miami to win their division. Try to find plus 130 or better. Um, I, I think the coaching changes are going to pay dividends this year. Uh, both on the offensive line and linebacker to the weakest areas. Defense should tackle better, more discipline, which is what this Miami team need. And uh, the offense was just electric with Van Dyke. Positive regression candidate, defense, which I think will improve as well as the offensive line. So those are the three that I'll mention in my pick to win the ACC. I guess I'll have to say it's Miami. What do you got? Yeah, so I have as many bets to win ACC as I do win totals. So let's start with win totals. I like over six and a half on Virginia Tech. No matter any way I can split this mathematically, uh, I come out a game and a half over this six and a half number that's on the market right now. The power rating is there. Uh, It's just the strength of schedule is so low. Now, remember, when you take win totals, you generally want to back a team that maybe has a first year coach that's trying to reach reach a bowl game. That would be a huge improvement for this Virginia Tech team. It'd be a good start to the Brent Pry. And like Stucky said, if you look at their first four games, their last four games, they could go eight and zero in those games. Six and two is is pretty much projected. They just need one other there. So I like over on Virginia Tech. I think they're being heavily overlooked, and they have such an easy schedule. I'm splitting up a unit bet on NC State to win the ACC. I'm splitting up a unit bet on another unit bet to on Pitt to win it. I know Pitt goes down to Miami to end the season, but there is an easier schedule for Pitt here because they don't have Clemson like Miami does. I think there's problems with Miami in the trench. I have zero doubts about what's going on with Pitt in the trench. I know it's a complete 
tempo change. If you haven't seen that number come down against West Virginia in the backyard brawl, uh, there's going to be a lot of pit unders this year. So it, it, I think it's gone from 54 and a half down to 52. I would go and get that under in week one, but I do love pit. They're going to try to grind you and beat the hell out of you in the trench. And I don't think Miami's ready to get into that battle yet. And maybe they will be by the end of the season, but it's still not the offensive line that Mario Cristobal wants next year. Maybe next year. Yeah. We'll talk about winning the ACC. Uh, so uh, NC state, there's nothing I can say. Uh, if you've, you know, been living on an Island, that was the first bet that I made of, of the 2022 season. Uh, they are loaded at every single unit on both sides of the ball. Uh, what Devin Leary is doing from the quarterback position has been just absolutely immaculate, especially when it comes to turnover worthy play rate. And this team is focused and hot after getting their bowl game cut last season. Uh, they had a chance to be a part of the college football playoff chatter in November uh, and just a couple of turnovers and a, and a really narrow uh, loss to Miami really kind of cut all that out. So NC State to win the ACC, I think they'll definitely win the Atlantic. Pitt to win the Coastal, they'll face each other in the ACC championship game. I'll sit back, crack a beverage, and not have to worry about hedging either ticket. All right, there you have it. We'll see if NC State can deal with the expectations. I've said it before. They remind me of Iowa State. Um, so are they mad or are they nervous? It's We're going to find out a lot. Did you put your East Carolina ticket in yet? Did you get your East yep. Carolina ticket yes, in Yes, sir. Yet? Should have fallen on the app this weekend. I put it in on Saturday. Plus 10 and a half. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a four point game with a minute to go. I talk about that game so much. NC State, it's there. NC State's either losing that game or winning by thirty eight. All right, that'll do it for us. We will be recording tomorrow. The Big Ten, two parts of the SEC. We're in full effect, baby. Week zero will be here before we know. We've got the Pac twelve to come to. Then our recap will go over all of our favorite preseason bets. Leave some reviews, five star reviews. We're doing a ton of giveaways. We'll give away pro subs and gear and all that. I'll read through them here shortly. But just big bets on campus for every listen to podcast. Leave a review. Subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe, tell a friend, tell an enemy. This is the time to help us out in the rankings with reviews. Um, now that we're cranking out episodes, uh, I'm excited. Hope you're excited. It's time for us to go get back to work. We'll catch y'all later. Cheers. Peace out.